Welcome to the Dating After Divorce podcast. I'm your host, Shade Curry, and I believe every divorced woman deserves a romantic relationship where she feels safe, loved, and cherished. You can create the most amazing life after divorce, and I will teach you how. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Dating After Divorce podcast. I have a very special guest in the studio with me. Bilyana Vishnagara is here today to talk about her dating after divorce story. We are uh, colleagues in the coaching industry and have known each other for a while. So I've known her story for a little while. I'm super excited to bring her to you today. So Bilyana, would you introduce yourself to the audience? Hey, Shade, thank you for having me. Um, so as you said, my name is, I will pronounce it how I pronounce it, Bidana Vishnagara. <laughs> That's okay. Stress-free zone. <laughs> Don't stress, Shade, we're good. Um, and I am a licensed clinical social worker as well as, well as a, a life coach. And um, I help women over 40 uh, gain confidence through mindset and human design. Uh, so I offer that combination. And um, I'm here to talk about all things divorce and remarriage, and, and I can't wait for this conversation. Thank you. We're really honored to have you here today. I'm excited to hear your story. I know that you tell it like it is, so we're probably <laughs> going to go there and go everywhere. But just so everyone knows kind of where you are in your journey, could you, I know you are remarried because you are in my Remarriage Club series. Um, tell us where you are now in your family, kids, husband, all of that. So I have been remarried uh, three years now, uh, and uh, we have just recently moved to Florida. We had a baby last year in October, and he's nine months old. So this is my second child, and uh, I have uh, a first child for my first marriage. She's 19 years or will be 19 years old in September. So she's gone to college. <laughs> so, uh, so you, you have know. a 19-year-old and, and a nine-month-old. Yes. So, you know, in between calling and asking about classes and, and making sure she's safe and drive safely and, you know, changing diapers and crawling and all that stuff, it's kind of a, a little bit of a balance. But but yeah, so we're just trying trying our best to survive the no sleep and <laughs> right. for the for the second time. So, yeah, I, um, I love that because I know a lot of people think this looks one way, this mm-hmm. dating after divorce, getting remarried, having a brand new family. And it, this is such a testament to the fact that it can look any way you want. Oh, yes. There I mean, no I, I no no rules. And I feel like, you know, in the, the combination of the two of us, you know, me being, you know, a white European woman uh, who is older than him and uh, him being, you know, Indian American uh, younger guy. How old is the age married, Eight, eight years old. So years. I'm, yeah. So we, we met when he was, you know, we were, of course, younger. This was several years ago, but the age difference was um, never really that obvious in a sense that we really got along and all that. But you have this combination of the two of us, you know, with the biracial child mm-hmm. and then, you know, my daughter who was, you know, so it's, it's very interesting how it all, you never know, you know, you just kind of come up with your own idea and you just do your best to, to meet your own expectations in terms of what you want of your family. You know, there's, yes. there are no rules, you know, yes. you do this is permission to do whatever you want to do second time around, third time around. Right. So yeah. I love that. I, I, I teach my clients to date like CEOs. I'm like, you mm-hmm. are literally, cause they'll ask me, well, what rules, what are the rules here for this part? I'm like, no, no, no. 
you make the rules. I can help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I help yeah. you with the rules that you have for your dating journey, mm-hmm. but you are the CEO of that dating journey. And I love that you are doing this exactly the way you want it to. But I know everyone's going to be curious about the age difference. So you said you are older. Mm-hmm. He's eight years younger. Mm-hmm. What, how, did, how did you guys navigate that? Was there a conversation? <laughs> <laughs> did anybody lie? This was, we, we worked together. So we met, I mean, I've known him for a while, but we, we kind of started talking and whatnot after I got separated a few months after I got separated. And one of the times we were having just a conversation and, and um, somebody said, Oh, Hey, you know, uh, Dr. V he's, he, you know, uh, happy birthday. And I'm like, Oh, happy birthday. What, <laughs> how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> really? And uh, he's like, Oh, he turned 28. 28 was it or 29 whatever and I'm like oh crap <laughs> and I started laughing and I'm like oh because it was already I kind of already liked it right so I, yeah. I didn't really compute I kind of knew he was younger but I really didn't know you know how, mm. how much so you know and I was like in my mid-30s and I'm like oh my god how is this what is this going to be you know like how do I and you know from the beginning it was not I didn't expect much right but um as it went on but yeah it just it shocked me <laughs> Yeah. And then I was like, well, what do I do? I can't get younger, right? Like, and I can't make him older. And I like him enough that I was willing to try, you know, at least see what it looks like. So, and yes. here we are, you know, so yeah. many years later with the child. I <laughs> so, know. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. Now, I know I had heard a little bit of your story before in times that we've uh, connected in the past. And he was sort of the one who was more open to the relationship, if mm-hmm. I'm remembering mm-hmm. correctly. Can mm-hmm. you tell us about that? Um. In terms of just, well, I always talk about attachment styles. And if you remember, like when I was doing divorce coaching, I always talked about the the avoidance style, which, mm. you know, I had and I had to work through, but he was a secure style. So from the beginning, he was open to, he, he understood I came with baggage, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. He understood, I, well, and I was honest with him. I told him I have a daughter and I told him all that. I wasn't hiding anything, right? But he also was very open and very understanding that, I do have certain dynamics with my ex and that I had to like work through a lot of stuff. Um, And I think his patience was the main thing because I think his way of acting and being open and willing to communicate and talk about it and, you know, listen to me vent and, you know, be difficult. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It was kind of, it almost shocked me, shocked my system, almost nervous system into resetting itself Mm. because first I didn't know what to do with it because this was like a completely normal relationship. (laughs) It's like, what is it? And I think I told you, we did the clubhouse time one time. Yes, and I think I did. told you, it's like, I was so suspicious. Like for the first few months, it's like, what is wrong with him? Is he a yeah. sociopath? Right? Like, why is he so nice? Yes. Why does he get me a present because of nothing? You know, like he just yeah. out of nowhere, he would. So I was like perpetually suspicious. And, um, but yeah, he was much more open. And, you know, we've had a bit of difficulty to begin with just because I was not really interested in any any commitment or anything you mm-hmm. know but um whilst it kind of like I said shocked me into more you know secure style and moving towards more secure things have things changed right and I heard you use the word patient and I wanted to highlight that um because I have I think I've seen that as a they're very there there aren't a lot of rules in the dating space dating after divorce mm-hmm. but there are clues to success that mm-hmm. I have picked up just with working with so many women and meeting someone who exhibits patience as a lifestyle, I think is a clue. Like, oh, this person is patient versus dismissive. 
mm-hmm. patient versus tolerance. Like a person might tolerate some of mm-hmm. your challenges or tolerate your situation. That's very different from being willing to engage in it and be in it without mm-hmm. responding in a way that's negative, without becoming, without getting tired mm-hmm. <laughs> of you having to deal with an ex or, you know, having to deal with co-parenting and all of that. Patience, mm-hmm. I think is a really different, you can't, you can't fake patience. No one can pretend. <laughs> and you can only like somebody so much. You know what I yeah. mean? Like b- before you just like, you're like, oh no. Yeah. Like, this is way too much trouble. Way too much mess. Because I mean, I don't, I don't know how I would be in a relationship with somebody who has an ex and who has had some issues and, you know, like revolving mm-hmm. stuff and, and things coming up. I, I don't know. So yeah. you're right. Patience, patience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you for highlighting that. Um, now, what were your thoughts before you met him about mm-hmm. getting remarried? Had you thought about getting remarried? <laughs> was it on your mind? Were you planning to? Do you want me to say it? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> no, I mean, I just like, I, you know, the, the way kind of my marriage went and the way we got married so quickly and I was, I got pregnant and it was like so rushed and so made me feel very trapped. So like mm-hmm. I've had this very strong belief that I, I marriage equated being trapped. As far as right. I was concerned, you know, let me get married. Once I had the ring on, I was trapped. Like I couldn't, it was control. Right. So I literally, if you asked me eight years ago, seven years ago, I would have said, Oh no, I've never thought about having kids or getting remarried. Like maybe yeah. at some point, but certainly not like, you know, um, yeah. a few years after, you know, so yeah. Right. A, now, a did you enough. ever have to work through those thoughts? Like after you met, your new husband, did oh, those yeah. thoughts continue to like, like, worry you? Were they at the back of your mind? Oh, yes. anxious? Oh, yeah. How yeah, did we, you work we through that? How do, we joke. It was like for, he tried to, he always said like, he tried to, to marry me for three years. And I was like, oh no. And I would say, mm-hmm. don't think about it. Yeah. <laughs> or like, you know, if, if it ever came up, I'll be like, don't even. Uh, but you were together. Mm-hmm. Doing yeah. That. During yeah. those three and years you were kinda, dating. Yeah. And it was kind of like the, 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 the background was, yeah, it, we're moving in that direction. And then I had like those individual thoughts. Right. right. But um, it, as much as he was patient, I was willing. I think that was something that the, on my, it worked really well on my part. It was super uncomfortable. And, but I was willing to do things mm-hmm. differently or to change, to change my thinking. And one of the best things that I did for myself is finally realize he is not my ex yeah. <laughs> because I had this huge overarching thought all men are assholes, my ex, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. everybody, and then I'm like, and then then I started questioning it, right? That's the point where, as you know, you know, you do mindset as well. Until you start questioning, you don't, you don't start changing it because it will just, you know, go on, you know, on, on question, right? So yeah, um, not all men are the same. Yeah. That people, people, and we, my clients do tend to have those thoughts like, oh, there's no good men out there. All the good men are taken. Right. Mm-hmm. If they were good, they would be in their relationships. A lot of just those like general thoughts that get thrown out there mm-hmm. or you see them on these horror story sites <laughs> about dating mm-hmm. and they absorb them in. And it just seems mm-hmm. to be the truth of the universe that everything is bad out there. Can you talk about how you questioned? What was your like, what are some ways that you questioned your thoughts or what are some ways that they can question their thoughts when they feel like there's nothing out there for them? Do you wonder exactly how divorced women just like you are meeting eligible men who want a real relationship and a commitment? They're doing it by dating with their core values. 
Your core values are the GPS that lead you to the partner you've been looking for. When you use your core values on dating apps, text messages, and at social events, you will easily connect with your true match partner without chasing, settling, or wasting time with non-committal men. I have taught exactly how to do this in the two-hour Core Values Dating Blueprint course available on my website, shadecurry.com forward slash dating. That's S-A-D-E-C-U-R-R-Y dot com forward slash dating. You will learn exactly how to identify your core values and use them on your dating profile, how to ask the right questions via text, and how to tell the right stories on dates so that you attract the right people and repel those who aren't right for you. If you're ready to meet your true match, hop over to shadecurry.com forward slash dating or click the link in the show notes. Now back to the episode. Um, well, I did know I had a couple of friends that actually had remarried and had good, uh, good marriages. I also had a few friends that had their first marriage was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, the thought of all men are this, all men are that. So like, that's the generalizing thought that I had. And then I would think to myself, well, my dad was not a bad right. husband. Like my dad was not a sociopath. My dad was not uh, right. Like this was, so if you just find, I think with like, when you start changing your mindset and your thoughts, I think people feel like they have to go from, oh, all men, men are horrible and everybody's taken to, oh, everybody's available. They're all, you can't do that. You can't make such a huge jump. So even just loosening up a little bit of the thought and questioning, like I said, well, really, do I know all men? That's what I would, you know, ask the questions, you know, unless you've met every single man and you've, you've, you know, dated every single man, you have no clue. I mean, all men, every man, like that's a huge, so that's like a, that's a red flag to look for. And, and, and thinking in general, anytime there's an absolute word attached, everybody all the time, never always, that's your first red flag, right? And ask yourself, like, really, is this really true? Yeah. And once you find something that's just a little bit kind of, you know, opposes your current thought, then you can loosen it up a little bit and be like, well, maybe it's possible that there is a man out there. Or here, so online, right? Like Somewhere. it's possible. Statistically, it's possible, right? So, yes. yeah, you offer your your brain a little bit more of a logical point of view because when you're scared and when you're like you know fresh out of traumatic relationship or toxic relationship, you're not thinking with your logical brain. It's survival mode. Yeah, hundred percent. And here, there's a little trick that I've done with some of my clients who have maybe a background more similar to mine, where they really saw very few good men. So I, my mm-hmm. dad. And my mom, you know, divorced when I was very young. And my dad uh, was violent in some ways. Like, it just was just like really bad. A little bit of a shit show. <laughs> and, <laughs> and my marriage was yeah. the same. Um, mm-hmm. And so my experience in many ways was that, well, a lot of men are this way. And then I started hearing about people that I thought were good people also turning out to not be great. So even though I knew logically that not all men were a certain way, experientially and emotionally, Mm -hmm. I did not have that experience. And one of the things I did while I was dating, because I kept initially attracting people who seemed, who were more like my dad and like my mom, uh, not my mom, like my ex, I went on a scavenger hunt in the world. So for several months, I would look at people, men at my workplace or um, at events that I went to, my friends, husbands, and I would write down the qualities that they had that Mm -hmm. were positive. I would literally look at them in action. Mm -hmm. 
and say, oh, look, look at how gentle he's being with his yeah. kid versus what mm-hmm. I had experienced with my ex or look at this, or I would listen, you know, you know how coworkers will call home during the day and you can hear the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I would listen to how some of the really nice guys were talking to their wives mm-hmm. on the phone. And so I went on a scavenger hunt and really reset my own brain and the data that my brain had by looking for it in the world. So it's a simple, there's, there's so many different ways to do that the way, um, depending on who the person is, but I love that you questioned it. I, I had to go look for evidence. I was not able to just yeah. walk through it myself. And, and I think it was helpful because, you know, I, I adored my, my dad. They didn't have the best marriage. I wouldn't say like not no violence or anything like that. I think they were just different people. My parents were somehow they managed to stay married for 45 years, you know, until both of them passed away. But, but he, in his own right was, was just a patient man and, and just very stable, consistent and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, which were qualities that I were attracted to, or that was, you know, part of why I was like, so attached to my dad, it was like the calmness and all that. Um, And then fast forward to this, this husband, he's very calm and very patient. And just in general, like I've never, I've seen him mad two, three times. And then I would, you know, I'm like right away. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, they, when they get mad, you're like, okay, bye. Um, You disappear for a little bit, but, but really like, and in comparison to my former marriage, like I knew what I wanted. I just didn't get it the first time around. So then I decided it just doesn't exist. And like I said, referring back to my dad and like a few marriages that I do know of, um, I I was like, yeah, it's possible. It exists. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's out there scavenger hunt or however you want to, um, you know, go about doing that. You have to question it. And you were doing the same thing. You were just not questioning per se. You were just looking for evidence to oppose your belief or evidence for the belief that you want to kind of embody, right? So either way, you question and you just kind of break break your brain a little bit. You have to do that. You do have to do that. This is why coaching is so helpful. It's like, you can't just let your brain run the show. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, or you could, and then you stay in that loop. You know, I've had clients, when I was doing divorce, I would have clients who were in the same you know, in the same dynamic and the same lifestyle for, for like years after it. Right. I had a coworker who just, who didn't date for 15 years after she got divorced. She was still, she was still getting enraged over all that, like 15 years later, you know, it's like you have to, at some point you just have to move on. If nothing else for your own sanity, you have to break that cycle. And I, you know, Oh, you know, that means forgiving it. It doesn't matter what happened. You have to protect your own sanity and just move, move the hell on. Like for, just leave that. You have yeah. a life to live. You can't, yeah. you can't live like that. You know, it's sort of like sunk costs. If there's, if an yeah. investment has gone bad, you do mm-hmm. not keep throwing resources into it. <laughs> an investment. And this is where a lot of people get caught up, right? Like, oh, you know, we were married for 20, 30, whatever years. But if, if the quality of marriage was shitty for half of that time, you really didn't have 30 years of marriage. You had maybe 10 years of marriage and then you had, 20 years of misery, right? So like yeah. you have to also, time doesn't mean anything. You mm-hmm. could have been married for 45 years like my parents with not such a, an ideal marriage, right? Yeah. So I know one of the thoughts that I initially had, this was early in the divorce, actually probably before the divorce got finalized, like just doing the separation. And I was looking back because we separated at 17 years um, of marriage. And I was like, oh my God, I lost so many years. I wasted so many years in this. And I realized that the thought I wasted so many years was causing me to continue wasting additional time (laughs) thinking about the time that I'd wasted. 
It's true, though. I mean, you know, technically, yes, you are lose. You have lost time, right? Technically, time has has passed by. But but to me, it's if I didn't go through the experiences that I that I went through, I would not have the marriage that I have now. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's worth it. It was a beautiful experience. I mean, certainly, I would have liked to skip the part of having <laughs> yes, right, like a and then just become this woman who just marries a completely different man, right? Like, but but some of us don't don't have that, right? Yeah. So it's. I'm- who we yeah. were then, yeah. literally, I look back and I'm like, sometimes I go back and I'm saying, okay, well, I wonder if she could have done something different. I, I know myself. Yeah. At yeah. 21, I'm like, no, that was exactly what I was oh, going to do. Oh, please. I was clueless. I just, like I said, like I, you know, we were just talking before this and I feel like, you know, once, once I got pregnant, it, you know, which like I said, took seven and a half seconds um, with the meeting. Yeah. I was like, yep, that's it. Right. Like uh, what, what other option do I have? Like it wouldn't even, I wouldn't even consider anything else. Right. Like it was, you got to do what you got to do. You know, I'm 23 years old and, and have no clue. (laughs) So fast forward to, you know, getting married at almost 40. It's a huge difference. Huge. And that's because of the experience that I had. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was willing to let this guy, and I was going to say, I'm sorry. I was willing to, that's one thing that divorced women have once, once they get remarried, I feel is they're willing to let go of a relationship. That's not the relationship that they want to me, you know, comparing to what I've gone through, I was willing to either, either wait or either just, I was not going to settle again. And I'm right. willing to, to let the relationship go if it's not what I want, you know? Right. So. What do you think gave you that confidence to be in this relationship and say, well, if, you, if this didn't work out. I'm not going to marry him just because we're in a relationship or just because I have him now. If this isn't working, I'm going yeah. to let him go. Like what gave you the confidence to do that? What would you call that quality? I I, I call it detachment, but sometimes that sounds a little cold <laughs> to be detached, but it's kind of like the opposite of being super attached and needy to a person in your life. Well, but I, I think the reason I say that is that that I am now convinced that I will be okay no matter what. Like I was a yeah. single mom uh, for a few years. I paid all the bills. I took care of my child. I had a career. I mean, I was perfectly fine. <laughs> and there's one thing for me, at least maybe that's, you know, some of the, the attachment style speaking for me, but you mentioned attach or detachment, but you technically don't need anybody. You know, there is this, this idea that we need a, a person and we, no, you don't. <laughs> You don't. So when you come from that standpoint, if you see your life and you see your capability, you see what you're able to do, take care of yourself, how actually strong and capable you are, right? You then need more proof that this is the man that you should marry, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah. 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 Like you have, you better be good for me to leave all this where I'm perfectly (laughs) fine. You know, I mean, it took me a while, you know, it took me a little bit of time, but once I bounced back, I was like, Because yes. I, I, I thought I had it all, right? Like I thought I was like a catch. You and know? You, so, you were. That's actually yeah. the I mean, truth. I, you were. Yeah. And really, if you if I look back, yeah, you're right. So it's also good to kind of like collect proof or like you were doing the scavenger hunt. It's really a good mm-hmm. idea to write down what why am I such a good catch, right? Yes. What makes me a great catch? Yeah, I, I guarantee I, you, you have plenty of things to say, you know? Yeah. That module in my program is called the Irresistible You. And I, I look at it like you are irresistible already and you mm-hmm. are making an irresistible relationship offer to this other person. Yeah. Like yeah. it's irresistible. He's every, all of them are going to want it. Sometimes the women are like, there's all these weirdos who are messaging me on the app. I'm like, of course they are. 
you're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody but just wants, because, yeah. But, but I mean, uh, uh, women get stuck on that. Oh, you know, I tried. Okay. But you don't have to do anything about it. Like just because people are right. People can offer yes. and it's like, you know, they can try and they can, I mean, I'll have some, some suggestions that I was like, Oh God, like, do I really look like that person to you? And that would be a no. And you yeah. just move on. Right. But uh, it's, it's, again, it's like a, it's like a list of evidence. This is not what I want. And yes. I am very good with knowing what I don't want. So, you know, I, I always go from, you know, I always go from there. So I'm like, no, no, no. Oh, oh no. <laughs> and then it's like, this is what I do want, right? The opposite. So right. just use it as proof for, you know, of, of course I'm a catch, but like, you mm-hmm. know, if a creeper comes around, that happens to everybody. You could be, you know, that, that's not a personal attack on you. That's just a creeper yes. walking around wanting to, you know, seeing if he can find a victim right. you know, for their creepiness. He's, like, he's an equal yeah. opportunity creeper. <laughs> he is. Next thing you know, that's what happened to a client of mine whose, whose husband remarried like within like, you know, seven days oh of my God. divorcing. And she was in this, this thing where, you know, it's, she's younger and she's better looking and he like had nothing to do with you. He's already been married four times. You know, mm. you see the pattern like, so you, it, it's about him. He is doing this. If not you, it's going to be Joanne down the road. Like he does not care as long as wow. his needs are met. Yeah. You are just part of his journey to, you know, womanizing or whatever. Right. So, yeah. um, and I love that you're highlighting just a lot of that internal churn that mm-hmm. women have after divorce. Like a lot of these mm-hmm. examples and things that you're talking about are just like, they, these are the thoughts that fly across our head. Why is he, he moved on so quickly. How could he move on? You know, how could he abandon this? A lot of those thoughts. And I want to, you know, ask you about what do you think the cost of not processing those thoughts is? Because we've talked about, oh, the guy, what what you think about a creeper, what you think about yourself. Like we keep just jumping from thought to thought to thought that women think after divorce. Mm -hmm. And you and I talk about it because we've both processed those thoughts and we've both been coached by coaches and therapy what is the cost of not working through all of that? Well, for me, it would have been not marrying a, a, a really great man for you too, as well, right? Like yeah, your, your husband is great. Um, so that would be one cost. I mean, that would be one cost. I wouldn't have the the, the crazy energized nine month old right now, right? Like no. I wouldn't have the life that I do have. Um, yeah. That would be the first thing that I would, and it's just missed opportunities. And, you know, it takes a toll on you. You don't, and not, I'm not talking about just future relationships, but you change as a person. It, it changes you as a person. It changes your brain. So you walk around in this fog and this constant, you know, fog of, of oh, it's not going to work out. Nobody, you know, mm-hmm. there are no great men or whatever, right? So like you just keep walking through life, like missing all these opportunities, showing up, not willing to, to take risks and you don't take mm-hmm. risks. Um, you know, so a lot of it, you st- you know. I think a lot of it also keeps you stuck in survival mode. Yeah. So if you're yeah. experiencing like survival mm-hmm. mode has certain emotions that go along mm-hmm. with it, like yeah. a lot of insecurity, fear, anxiety, just mm-hmm. stuff that happens because you lost your money, probably lost your home. I mean, like I lost mm-hmm. all of those things along the way. My kids were insecure and were very stressed through the divorce. And I can't imagine not processing that through therapy, through coaching mm-hmm. to kind of lay it all down and imagine carrying all that, like on an ongoing basis, like, yeah, hey, I'm going to show up at work with all of this. I'm going to show up in my business mm-hmm. with all of this. I'm going to show up for my kids with all of this. I think at some point that work is so, so very important to be able to lay down and free up resources to, to be able to move on, to be able to do something new. 
to move on and to just be present in your own life. I think, you know, for me, I was very distracted. Like the, the last few years of the marriage, I couldn't really, I mean, I was functioning, but I was functioning around certain things like, you know, job and school and whatever, but mm-hmm. I didn't have the emotional capacity for anything else. It was yeah. like just drudgery, right? Like day to day, I was depressed and I was just, it was just, you know, I, I always kind of compare it to like a withering <laughs> flower. I, it was not quick. It was just like a slow death, basically emotional death, you know? Yeah. So um, had I not done the work and had I not, you know, I didn't have a coach at the time. I didn't even know what coaching was, but I was lucky that I, um, I worked at a place where I was a, a therapist and I had a lot mm. of therapists people there. So I didn't, you know, I would just go from one to another, (laughs) you know, just when I would have meltdowns and I would just, I I was very open about talking about stuff and I still am. Right. Yeah. I I mean, in terms of like my experience, not talking about him, but just talking about myself. Mm -hmm. So that helped me, you know, just even saying it and just even saying it out loud, it kind of changes the, changes the tone, right. When you say like, okay, this needs to be figured out. I'm wasting my life. You think you wasted your, your time being in that marriage? No, you're wasting your time now. <laughs> yeah. You're just continuing to waste your time because you're still stuck in the same survival mode, like you said. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's um, talk about your new family. What is like, what would you say your, your most interesting dynamic is? What's the most fun thing that has come about because you're remarried and you have this interesting family dynamic? What's like unique to to your family? Well, like I said, like the age difference, the race, yeah, um, religions. Like it's like you could not have put two different people. <laughs> Complete difference. You know, his parents are Indian, and you know, like my parents, my mom um, had a chance to meet him, and um, but it's that. So that's interesting. Like the one fun thing is like he he knows a little bit of my language, actually, quite a bit. Oh. Uh, so did yeah, he learn it after he met you yeah. or okay yeah 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 and of course you know the first set of words were swear words because that's how I roll but um <laughs> like you know so now like when we speak to the little one I speak to him in Serbian right but in my language but he speaks like three languages to him you know so that's, that's kind of so fun but fun yeah and uh one thing is interesting like my daughter I believe she never told me but I believe she chose uh, to pursue psychiatry at least that's the 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 choice right now mm-hmm. we've had 59 different choices but let's go with this one I think yeah. because he's he's a physician so she has seen him you know talk about medicine and talk about that stuff so it's it's interesting you know it's interesting how your dynamic is completely unique you cannot even imagine what that'll you look can't like. imagine and I know that mm-hmm. for, for me as well like go coming in a lot of what I was like I'm just gonna pray for peace right like we all get yeah. along that was like my yeah. huge expect I knew my husband yeah. was the one and for the most part, I think both of us were just like, okay, as long as the other person gets along with the other person's kids, <laughs> we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we've reaped so many more rewards beyond that. Like, he's a night owl. Actually, he and both my kids are <laughs> night owls. Yeah. So I'm usually in bed at 10 and they stay up to like two in the morning. It's crazy. And there was a night my daughter, she went off to college. First of all, she went off to college last year during COVID. And I had mm. surgery the same week. So he took her. <laughs> And got her settled in mm-hmm. to college last fall, which was just incredible. And the then you never know when they're going to be homesick. Well, the night, the day she got homesick, it was like two in the morning. So guess who talked her through yeah. her first major wave of homesickness? It was my husband. Yeah. And yeah. that was just such a gift that I could not have, I could not have prayed for that. Like that would have been like way above and beyond what I could pray for. Mm-hmm. And I think when you 
when you don't give yourself that opportunity to dream, mm-hmm. we're falling so far below what we can have. You know, yeah, that was my you- fear as well. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I didn't know. I mean, you know, again, he doesn't have any kids, but, you know, I had a, she was, what, 14? Oh my God, however old she was when, when they met. So there's a fear, you know, what if she doesn't accept him? Then I would mm-hmm. be in a position where I would have to make a choice. And of course, you know, I know what I would have chosen for sure. So you're like, Oh, come on, let's work this out. Like he's a, so, you know, it took a little bit. She's very shy, very, you know, she's not really um, very open at first, but then, you know, fast forward a few years, you know, they cook together, you know, they share recipes or she'll go to him for advice uh, when she doesn't come to me, she'll listen to him rather than me. (laughs) Right. So that's one. it shows you there's trust and it shows you there is at least, uh, you know, care for one another. And, you know, so, but that mm-hmm. helps, especially now that there's a little one, you know, that is a sister. So yeah. it's a hot mess. It's a mix, but it's fine. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, of course, there's always something coming there's up. Always, I mean, you know, there's always the hot mess part yeah. of it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like a smooth story where it's like, we're all like now like dancing around together and stuff. Like, you know, it, it gets yeah. like, you know, when I had to talk to her about something or about her dad, whatever, right. Yes. It gets a little bit, but it's, um, yeah, we, we get along fairly well, I, I would say. You know, I think what were the good. signs and I, this is going to be my last question. Cause I know I could just keep peppering you with all the questions. Every time we talk about something, I remember something else, a client okay. or someone in the audience has asked, what was it about him that made you think he would be a good parent for your daughter? The way he treated me. <laughs> Cause I'm so a petrol and child. Deep down. <laughs> I could throw a fit. Yeah. Really. And, and you know, the, the patients. Because I knew if this man can put up with me, he didn't even meet her for the first year or so. I didn't, you know, I was very scared about all that. But Mm -hmm. um, if he could put up with me and be patient with me and being consistent and and never right away and like still be around, I knew he would be, um, he would be a good dad. I mean, or or stepdad, I should say. At least he would be open enough and willing to give it a try. And he was, I would say he was a stepfather before he was even a father, you know, Mm, So, so true. Yeah. So I had an opportunity to then see how he was with her and then kind of assume how he would be with, uh, with him. But I also had a chance to meet his family and every, all the men in his family are exceptional fathers. So that seems to be, I want to say almost like a cultural thing, the insistence on being a family man and all that stuff. I really like mm-hmm. that. That reminds me of like my culture, right? You know, when it's like you provide for not, not provide necessarily, but you're there for the family. Yes. You're present and participate in the I family. find that very sexy. Like I find, I you know, somebody who is with kids. I mean, that's why I was like, no problem. Let me be 42 and have a child. Yes. <laughs> Always come on. <laughs> Let's yeah. See. I think that's yeah. a sign when uh, um, um, a man is interested in family as a concept. Now, of course, there's so many different versions and variations mm-hmm. of that, but in the sense that you're thinking of it, this is exactly what you wanted. Now I do have clients who are like, Hey, I'm done. I'm ready to be a grandmother. <laughs> I want someone who is yeah, also yeah. in that stage of life. And I think, but I think I love that you are giving the audience a view into just, you can choose whatever. What is it that you truly want as a yeah. person? And you know what? I really don't care much about like what people think. And like, you know, I've heard a lot of opinions and I truly, <laughs> I can, I really try to care. <laughs> A lot of the times, and I just cannot get past them. You can't get, you're like, no, I'm trying really hard to care what you think. I'm like, oh, girl, I'm like, just tell me more so I can care less. Um, (laughs) I mean, of course, you know, certain opinions I will respect. But in general, like, you know, there's this misconception. Oh, you know, I'm in my, it's, you're having, yeah, I'm having, you're not having a baby. Like, don't worry about me. You're not paying my bills. You don't don't Mm -hmm. know my, 
don't worry about me. I can still produce eggs. <laughs> and we can still, and he's like the, 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 be- the most beautiful child ever. Like, he, you know, yes. he's like, I'm like, see, I waited 18 years <laughs> to make this. So it, it, again, it, like I said, any, any, any scenario is possible, whatever yeah. you want. If you choose not to have kids and you prefer somebody closer to your age, so you guys can be empty nesters, I mean, more power to you. I don't, mm-hmm. you know. But I know several of my friends who have divorced, married in their 20s, divorced in their 30s or so, and then who who have kids now in yeah. their 40s because yeah. it's a new relationship. So that's the same. That's the same um, analogy with, you know, all men are this or all men. Mm-hmm. No, they're not. Right. So this is not the same marriage. This is the marriage where I actually do want to have a child. with. Me. Why wouldn't right. I? Right. And you some know? men want to have kids. That's the well, other he, he wanted. Yeah. No, I mean, that was, and, and I knew he did, you know, even before we, we got married. So I knew that one day he wanted a kid. Um, yeah. So I, I knew that, like, it's not like I was, and that's, I always used to tell clients, you have to have some of those conversations really early on. Um, and, and what, when, when a man says, oh, I really don't want kids. What he's trying to say is I don't want any I don't kids. want my kids. <laughs> I mean, so, but you know, like we, as I think we get like delusional sometimes, oh, he'll change his mind, but why would you want him to, you know, then that Mm -hmm. becomes a problem five years into the marriage. You're like, oh, you don't want kids. Okay. You you should have those. Yeah. Religion and and educate those big, I think that was also what I knew was the problem with my first marriage, like the huge discrepancies and values Mm -hmm. and like, you know, priorities and stuff. I did not want that for, for this marriage. You know, you have to have some overlap, not everything, but you have to have some big values overlapping. Yes. Um, and I actually yeah. want to highlight what you said. Oh, I want to highlight like so many things, but let's highlight the conversations because this is something and in my program, sometimes some of the ladies struggle with how much depth has to go into thinking about those things. Mm-hmm. Right. Like mm-hmm. we have what we call relationship gates, which is okay. When you, while you're dating, what are, what are the stages you want your relationship to evolve through before you mm-hmm. go exclusive? And then after you go exclusive, then when you are exclusive, when you're moving towards commitment, I help them design their relationship milestones, which is basically the conversations that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, some people have a hard time bringing up, Hey, uh, let's get tested for STDs. <laughs> yeah. Hey, how, how's the money going? Right. Hey, right. do you want kids? Hey, you know, where are you going to live? Or I'm, I'm starting a business in the next six months or in the next year. What mm-hmm. is that going to look like? So um, my husband and I, we had those conversations. We actually sat down and a lot of the work that I do in, in uh, my program is built on the work that we did. We, we had a relationship milestones document. So we're just those people. <laughs> We created this document. <laughs> Tell me more, Shani. And we both, yeah. we both put in what we considered milestones towards commitment. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we kept using the phrase, well, if this goes the way we think we're, the way we think it's going, we never assumed anything. We didn't assume that we were going mm-hmm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, the, the child conversation, I was a maybe on kids because I really thought it would be really nice to have kids with someone as amazing as him. I was a maybe, but I was also... <laughs> I was also 40 and I was like, I don't know. I was right there, you know, yeah. on the edge. And he wasn't, no, he was just yeah. like, you know, I just, <laughs> I'm just, yeah. I'm not, I'm not into this kid thing. And so, but we had the conversation so early and I, mm. I sold myself on not having any more kids. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't. So the kid part of it, I wasn't dying to change diapers and like yeah. snuggle yeah. a little baby. I was, you know, I, I was wonder like, why. <laughs> 
It's great. Like I'm like sleep deprived for the next. I tell him it will take me seven years to like recuperate. Like I've been not sleeping at all. But but you know this is this is the thing. It's like you. I mean, of course, you don't bring it up on your first date. On the date. first date, you can't yes. be there. That, you know, what's your social? <laughs> Do you have STDs? <laughs> like some some things are just a little bit weird to ask, and you just don't want to. But I always say, you know any kind of relationship, but like that kind of relationship where you, you maybe want to be invested at some point, or you think it's kind of going somewhere. I think you don't want to start a relationship on lies or especially mm-hmm. on, on confusion. Right. But or assumptions. I, yes. I, I told him I have a child and, and at that time I was still separated. I I'm separated. Right. Like, so it's not like five months later, he's like, <gasps> you know, and even yeah. the conversation about kids, like you said, I was not, it, if it hadn't happened, like I would not have been like, you know, completely destroyed, Mm -hmm. but I was open enough. So I was a maybe, and he was a yes, right. For us Mm -hmm. was like a little bit different. So I was, I didn't talk myself into it, but like I, I processed it enough that I was like, okay, I'm open to this. Let's try. And if it doesn't, we set the 40 age of 42, like the deadline, if I don't Mm -hmm. have him, don't get pregnant by 42, forget it. Like, we're just gonna, you know, it's fine. And I did get pregnant, you know, before I turned 40. Yeah. So but ha- you have to have those conversations. It's awkward, but it's awkward when you have the conversation about why didn't you tell me, mm-hmm. you know, 11 months ago <laughs> that you right. have two children, you know, like I've right. never seen your children or stuff like that, you know, or that you have a 430 credit score, <laughs> which I'm one of the asking. people that, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. not asking, I think sometimes we don't want to ask and we, <laughs> we will tell ourselves that, oh, it's, it's been said, it's been implied. Mm-hmm. So that we don't have to ask because yeah. of or avoiding yeah. the discomfort. Yeah. Or you don't want to know. Right. right. Sometimes you don't because you have suspicious kinds, you know, where you're like, he does not look like an 800 credit score. I can guarantee you. <laughs> I mean, well, right. But you have to like at this point, like that might have appealed to me when I was 20 and when I thought like it was romantic, you know, like to, mm-hmm. to not have a regular income and whatever. Actually, I never did, but you know, um, he was not the type like I was my ex, but um, like nowadays, if you came to me and you said like, Oh, I don't have a good credit. Oh, <laughs> bye. Yeah. <laughs> and then what, and what you would accept yeah. at 20 is yes. very different. It's a very different stage of life when you're in your midlife. Yeah. Like a 20, 22 year old who doesn't have a stable career <laughs> is yeah. very different from a 40 something year old who doesn't have a stable yeah. career. Two different, yeah. two different things. Yeah. I had a client and, and she was, and he was actually, it reminds me because I, and then I shared with her that example, her ex or whatever, um, like he had a horrible credit score and, you know, she kept saying, oh, he's trying. No, he's not trying. Like you, mm-hmm. you. <laughs> You know, or like there was a guy that she met who had, ha- hasn't had a job, right? Like for a couple of years, same story. Like she was in the, oh, giving them a second chance. Oh, he's really, tr-. no, I mean, you can lose it, fall on hard times and stuff, but not for mm-hmm. like two, three years. A guy for who a drove decade. her home. Yeah. yeah. A guy who came to pick her up on a day. This is the same client. I was like, holy crap. He came to pick her up completely drunk. Like she had to drive them to a date. And I'm like, oh. so again, a woman in her forties. So we have to reevaluate that stuff because again, that there's a willingness to walk away mm-hmm. from a relationship that does not meet your criteria, but you have to be clear on your criteria first. Yes. And set them really high. I always used to say, set a hell yes list, set them super high. Then you mm-hmm. can adjust, not yes. adjusting from the beginning. You set that criteria very high and then you can kind of you know, you're not talking about, you're talking about your life here and it, it's your quality of life is hugely dependent on who you're with. As yeah. you know, 
right? It, it's a decision that will change your whole course of your whole life yeah. if you're not careful, right? 100%. Yeah. And like we were saying before we started this call, pretty much everything we've talked about is you have to have the confidence to do that. The confidence mm-hmm. to set those standards really high, the confidence to have these conversations. Like, mm-hmm. could you just, and I, now that you're, you're a confidence coach, could you just kind of tie it all together with like, what, what does that confidence look like? If you were to <laughs> have it in a little box <laughs> that you could hand yeah. to someone, what would that look like? And that's a weird way well, of putting it. But. Uh, well, first of all, you know, I, I tell, even now I tell people it, it doesn't, it's not sexy. Confidence just mm-hmm. feels like, like hot mess a lot of the times right so I think that expectation that all of a sudden you're out of out of this marriage and you're supposed to be this like exuberant joyful woman to be confident is not really true just the fact that you have gone through it is is you being confident right but also just the decision to show up differently right I I mean I can I can continue you know there's that um acceptance and commitment therapy I'm all over the place (laughs) when I talk but they, he talks about the three ways to deal with the situation. You either stay and you make it better. You stay, you don't do anything. It just continues to, to be the same or worse, or you leave, right? So the example of you not changing anything. So you come from this marriage that was dysfunctional. You don't do anything about your confidence. You don't make any different decisions in terms of how you want to be, how you want to show up. You believe stuff should happen overnight. It only, you know, you can only get so far with that kind of mentality, yeah. right? You will continue doing the same thing and getting the same result. So 100%. to me, you know, that's all confidence doesn't feel good to begin with, at least didn't to me at any point when I was mm-hmm. struggling, but it's, you know, decision to do it differently um, and commitment. It's a, it can be a slow process to begin with, Yeah, you know, just, just understand. And, and again, sus- negative feeling, you know, we always talk about that being able to sustain or to feel negative feelings, quote unquote negative, but mm-hmm. difficult feelings and not run away, not trying to buffer and not try to, you know, yeah, that's the bit we all run away from that stuff. So that building up confidence is that's very uncomfortable. Super yeah. uncomfortable. I, ca- I call but, it courage. You know. And I actually think courage is a negative emotion. <laughs> like there's nothing fun. I actually, yeah, I actually did a, did a live a, a story yesterday and I had so many responses. It was funny because I, I, you know, I said, I know, you know this, but courage feels like shit. It does. <laughs> and it's, it does. And I was just talking about it because it's like, we have this idea of like a brave heart moment. Like I said, you know, you're this exuberant or gas. Like no, 97% of the time you will be crying. You will feel like a hot mess. You will feel yeah. inadequate. You will feel all kinds of, of crappy stuff, right? It's just, it's a cleanse. I almost feel like going through po- divorce and post-divorce is like a cleanse yeah. or purge. If you've never had any emotional purge, you will have the emotional purge. Yeah. And all of that is courage because you keep pushing through it, right? Yes. It feels like crap. And then you still show up and do it the next day. So, uh, you know, you talked mm-hmm. about the milestone and gates. You have mm-hmm. to put stages. Yes. It doesn't just about. And so the stages don't always feel good. You're going oh. through those stages and you're like, but there's oh. a, but here's the expectation we have, we have been conditioned to think, like I said, the courage feels great. Right. But like, we are a culture of, of toxic positivity, right? Like mm-hmm. everything has to be, you know, for you to feel like you're emotionally stable person, you have to be joyful and, and, mm. you know, delusionally happy all the time. That's not normal. Like if I, as a clinician, yeah. saw you as delusional, as happy all the time, I would be, <laughs> I'd be like, hold on, where's my DSM five? <laughs> hold on, girl. Let me see what's going on. Let me see what's it's not. It's not normal, right? So like understanding, I, I always tell clients, expect it to be shitty. I mean, yeah. I'm not trying to be pessimistic, but if you set the expectation low with that, 
right? Then anything better than that, anything that feels a little bit better is pushing you forward, right? Then you're yes. like, oh, okay, you know, I, I survived the horrible, you know, first few months and like, here, look at me, right? Like yeah. I'm having a better day. I never use the scales. I never, I don't like scales, but I would always ask them, you know, how often are you crying these days? Mm-hmm. Are you crying less often, right? Oh, I'm crying. You know, now I cry like, you know, two out of seven days. Okay, we're good. You used to cry five yeah. out of seven days. Right, now we're right? moving forward. Yes, yeah. And you get to decide what courage is for you. That's always, again, no shoulds. Like we yes. said, you get to decide whatever it is for you. Yeah. There are no rules. I love that so much. Thank you so much You're for welcome. sharing so openly with us. Like this was You're just welcome. such an amazing conversation. <laughs> I have to I have know. you back. <laughs> you should. I could, I, could, I could talk about this stuff because it's true. It's a, it beca- and the reason is it's universal truth. You know, yes. like once you've gone through it and mm-hmm. once you kind of have seen the light. <laughs> yes. You know, the other side, you're like, no, people need to know this. Do. It does get better. It, it does. Really it, does. It, it, yeah, it's like it passes, but like at first it feels like a kidney stone. <laughs> you know, that mean. <laughs> All right, it, guys, I told you she tells it like it is. <laughs> it's going to be, it might be like a kidney stone part of the, part of the time. <laughs> but yeah, would, the end, the might be some blood in your urine. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but it'll pass. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Thank you so much, Billy. You're welcome. Um, all right. For those who may not want to go to the show notes to find out where they can find you, would you mind just kind of telling us, spelling out your social media handles and websites on here? Uh, so you can find me on Instagram. It's better underscore after underscore 40. Um, and I'm on Instagram. I, I do reels. I think I'm hilarious, but what is? Um, so, or on Facebook, you can, you know, B-I-L-J-A-N-A and then V-I-S-H-N-A-G-A-R-A. Awesome. Yeah, so, I really appreciate you yeah. taking this time to talk to my you're ladies. Welcome. I know they're going to just love, love, love this episode. There's just so much value and so much wisdom in it. Thank you. Um, I will link up all your information in the show notes. And for sure, I know I will be seeing you and hanging out with you. Yeah. yeah Thank yeah. you, everyone, for your time and attention today. And we will see you next time. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening today. If you are ready to get married after divorce, I want to invite you to download my free eight video training specifically designed to help divorced women date with ease and get married again. Head over to shadecurry.com to get started. That's S-A-D-E-C-U-R-R-Y.com. I'll see you inside.